0: Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text is the reading from the Gospel according to St. Matthew. In the name of Jesus. Amen. When John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? The John in this reading, this John, is John the Baptist. You know the one, the one clothed with camel's hair and eating locusts and wild honey. The one who baptized thousands in the Jordan River. The one who called out the Pharisees and the Sadducees for their lack of repentance. The one who rebuked King Herod for his adultery. Most importantly, this is John the Baptist, the one who from before his conception was chosen by God to be the messenger who prepared the way for the Christ, the one who leaped in his own mother's womb at the sound of the voice of Mary, the mother of his Lord. This is John the Baptist, who baptized Jesus himself, saw the heavens opened and the Spirit of God ascending on him like a dove. John, who heard the voice of the Father speak from heaven, saying, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. This is the John who pointed at Jesus and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And this is the John who heard about the deeds of the Christ and sent word by his disciples and said to Jesus, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? This is maybe a little surprising to us. It can even be uncomfortable. How can John the Baptist, of all people, ask that question? I mean, if you or I had actually baptized Jesus, seen the Holy Spirit descend on him, and heard the Father speak from heaven and proclaim that Jesus is his beloved Son, we would never ask if he was the Christ, would we? How could John question after all that had taken place in his life, after all that he had done and seen. Some indeed will say that this question that John sent was posed not for John's benefit, but for the sake of his disciples. After all, many of Jesus' own disciples were originally disciples of John the Baptist that he then pointed to Jesus so that they left from following him and followed after Jesus. That was, after all, John's job, so maybe he's just continuing that work from prison. He's sending his disciples with this question so that they will see that Jesus is the Christ, the coming one, and follow him. And maybe that's true. Some will say that John, well, he's asking this question because he's discouraged in his circumstances, that in the oppression of prison, he questions and he wonders and seeks reassurance, that he's not Questioning based on facts, but just experiencing a period of depression and weakness in his life. Maybe that's true also. In any case, Jesus gives the disciples John sent a message. And the message is not for them, at least not primarily so. Jesus answered and said to them, go and tell John what you hear and see. But the message, oddly enough, contains nothing new. He instructs them to go and tell John what they have heard and seen, to tell John about what Jesus is doing. That the blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. And the reason I say that that's an odd message is because it's the whole reason that St. Matthew tells us John the Baptist sent his disciples with the question, In the first place, when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples. And Jesus answers John by just sending back more of the same. He sends John's disciples back to tell him about the deeds of the Christ, that the blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. But then, Jesus does add one thing. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. And how could someone be offended by Jesus who does these things? What can be better than someone who makes the blind see, the lame walk, the deaf hear, and so on? Well, as it turns out, many people are offended by this Jesus. Let's bring this gospel account into our present day. Someone is suffering. It could be that they're trapped in prison. It could be that they're trapped in a wheelchair or a hospital bed. It could be someone enduring or fruitlessly trying to relieve the suffering that's taking place in so many countries around our world. It could be someone in their daily life trying to be faithful in their vocation as father, wife, student, worker, and so on. And yet, between the repeated failures of their own and the contempt of others, they feel trapped with no light at the end of the tunnel. And then this someone, whoever they are, hears about the deeds of the Christ. They hear what Jesus is doing today. That the gospel is preached, people are baptized, sins are forgiven, his body and blood are distributed to the faithful. And this person then, looking at Just how messed up things are in the world, how much sin runs rampant, how much death holds sway, how much pain has no relief, and how much these things come into our own lives, and the lives of those whom we love. This someone then asks Jesus, are you the one who is to come, or should we look for another? And maybe it's not just someone who asks this question, maybe it's you or me. We pray and we pray again, Come, Lord Jesus, come quickly. And all he seems to do is offer up more the same. And for every time that the gospel is preached, someone else is telling people something false about Jesus. For every baptism, one person or more leaves the church. Sins are forgiven, but then the same sins get repeated again and again. The faithful are fed with the body and blood of Christ and then go back to lives that seem pretty much unchanged. How could someone be offended by the Jesus who does these things? Many people actually ask the opposite question. How could someone not be offended by the Jesus who only does these things? We might not dare voice our questions out loud, but I suspect that most of us at one time or another have these same questions. Why doesn't Jesus do something else Why doesn't he do something more effective? Why doesn't Jesus fix the problems that are overwhelming us? There's so much sin, so much death, so much pain. Why is this, the church, this divine service, why is this the thing that Jesus chooses to do? And to you, to those in your life who ask these things, Jesus says, blessed is the one who is not offended, By me. The offense, the stumbling block, the scandal that John the Baptist encountered is the same that you and I encounter today. It is the weakness of God, the foolishness of the cross. We wonder, we doubt, we question, and for good reasons. Things are really bad, our lives are seriously broken. We want Jesus to be the ultimate real life superhero, the one who swoops in and makes everything better. And instead, we get a Jesus who suffers, a Jesus who also gets wrongfully treated, a Jesus who dies and gets buried in a tomb. We get a Jesus who rises from the dead and then kind of doesn't do a whole lot. We wonder why didn't he storm into the temple after his resurrection and give the chief priests the judgment they deserved. We might be less offended if Jesus was still going around today among us making the blind see and the lame walk the deaf hear, and so on. But instead, we get some water, some words spoken by a fellow sinner, and as far as we can see, the tiniest meal of bread and wine. The offense of Jesus is right here in front of us, the weakness of God, the foolishness of the cross. Because we, in our wisdom, imagine that we actually know how to save the world, That the only thing stopping us from saving the world is a lack of power. We think that if Jesus, who has all power, just used his power to do the things that we wish he would do, then everything would be good. That the only thing standing between us and putting the world right is a lack of control, rather than the sin which is within us. We actually think that if we just had Jesus' power, we could fix everything. As if we haven't done enough damage with the power we do have. In short, the offense here is the offense, the temptation to be offended at Jesus. The temptation to believe that he who has all power and authority and control, that somehow when it comes right down to it, he is not actually good. To believe that we know better, that we are actually more good than Jesus. And that if we had his power, we could make things good where Jesus falls short. And to that, well, that false belief, to that doubt, to that fear that Jesus is not actually good, that he's holding out on us, that he could be doing so much more and doesn't, to that, well, there's really no answer than the one that we already have. Is Jesus actually good? Well, he died for you. He never leaves you. He is Emmanuel, God, with you, even when that means he suffers with you. And because he's with you, that means you are also with him. Yes, right now in your suffering, but also in the glory which is to come. So that as you die with him now, you will also rise with him to everlasting life. Jesus is actually doing the things that he has promised to do from the very beginning of the world not just to make the lame walk and the blind to see, but to actually make dead men live, to make sinners holy and righteous, to make you who were lost in sin and death not just get better for this life now, but for everlasting life in the kingdom of the Father. Jesus is actually doing this, and it's hard in the meantime. Jesus fills every single pain that goes into this salvation of the world. But is Jesus actually good? Well, here's your answer. He died for you. Is Jesus actually good for you? He baptizes you. He unites you to himself, giving you the water that washes away all your sins and raises you from death to life. He doesn't leave you. He comes to you every Sunday in his body and blood, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins sins that got forgiven by Jesus himself bearing them on the cross. So that's your answer. Is Jesus actually good? He died for you. He rose for you. And he brings that death and resurrection to you in this, his church. And blessed is the one who is not offended by him. To God be all the glory forever and ever. Amen.